successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Get out of Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for listening to 980 AM. And if you're listening via iTunes, via podcast, I appreciate that as well. I am uh, congested and a little bit under the weather today, so I'm not going to talk as much as I normally do, but I'm very excited about our show today. I uh, wanted to make sure I made it in today because the, the guests we have on today are, are superstars here in the Kansas City area and leaders in their, their space and in their verticals. Before I get to our first guest, I want to thank our title sponsors of the show. We have Trust, MoBank, BOK Financial, and Two West Companies. Contributors to the Grill Nation show include KCADC, Poor Casey and Brian Sarf with True Wealth and Company. Our first guest today is the owner of a place you've probably heard of, Q39. Rob McGee is joining me. Rob, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. Excited to be here. Sorry about my voice, but uh, this gives you more talking time. Well, I think I can take care of that Usually part. I talk too much, but I'm excited to hear about your background and about everything you've done. I've been wanting to meet you for some time. Uh, my friend Clifton Alexander with uh, Reactor mentioned you to me, and I said, we got to have this guy on. He's doing great things in Kansas City. So welcome to the show. So, Rob, tell us about your background. I know you went to culinary school before you kind of got into the barbecue world. Tell us about where you grew up at, how you got into food. Yeah, I uh, grew up in New Jersey, uh, decided to go to the Culinary Institute of America to be a chef. My two goals was to be either a TV uh, chef Oh, wow. Uh, you know, to try to uh, be like the frugal gourmet. He was my idol back then, so it kind of shows you my age. Um, or the second thing is I wanted to open up a restaurant. So uh, I graduated the Culinary Institute in 86. Where is that? That is in Hyde Park, Poughkeepsie. Okay. So just in New York. And uh, so I traveled all over the United States. And every time I went to a, a city, if you travel a lot, if you tap into the city for what it is – you know, you really enjoy it. If you don't, it's like I miss home. Mm-hmm. So I've done anything from having a professional water ski uh, boat, a ski centurion. Um, I rode motorcycles in Denver. And when I got to Kansas City in 2000, by 2002, my hobby that I picked up was this thing called barbecue contest. Hmm. Um, I thought it was really neat. My first one was at the Lenexa Barbecue. And then one thing led to another where I started with one and then three and then seven and then eight. We've got to the point where we were doing up to 42 contests a year. Really? We've had some great success. We were number one team in the nation twice, reserve grand champion once, and we were in the top 10 uh, seven years in a row. So all of a sudden, you know, this barbecue thing, you know, came okay. to me. Right. Through the 12 years that I was doing barbecue, I refined my rubs, my sauces, and then obviously the accolades and winning uh, came with that. So um, I was working at the Hilton Kansas City Airport for over 12 years, which was just a great experience. 
um, a new company came in and, uh, I had the decision. Do I want to stay and continue to work for, uh, hotel companies or do I want to open up a restaurant? Right. Now, you know, I opened up a restaurant. Right. Q39kc.com is the website. Two locations, right? Two locations. I have one on 39th Street and I have one right off of Antioch. So what was that like, that decision for you to actually leave the hotel industry and start your own business? I'll tell you, it was really scary. Um, you know, you put together a business plan. It takes two months to figure that out. Uh, you're heading in the right direction. You go to a bank and you say, hey, I need to take out a loan. Well, then they turn around and say, okay, I need your house as collateral, your cars, everything. I could, they even wanted my smoker. So, really? uh, you know, you know, it was really serious when they brought up the smoker to get repoed if I didn't pay off the loan. I tried to up my kids, but they said, <laughs> uh, no go. We don't take kids. So signed on the dotted line. It was probably the scariest moment I've ever had. And then right after that, one minute after that, I've never been scared ever since. I've just, uh, failing was not an option. We knew we were moving forward. We we're going to open up a restaurant and we wanted to serve the best barbecue in Kansas City. A lot of competition out there at the time. There is no doubt about it. I actually thought there was opportunity out there, even though we have so many barbecue restaurants, because I thought that if I came in with a fun environment, open kitchen, rustic, um, show the chefs cooking in the back, full service bar, um, we've got a great bar program. Um, just a great, you know, a place, not only you can have barbecue, but you can have a cocktail, you can have desserts, we have appetizers. And with my chef experience, I figured I could do a lot of things like whimsical and fun to, you know, showcase what barbecue is all about. So bringing that executive chef and trained into barbecue, I thought we, uh, we could find our niche. How'd you decide on 39th street? Great question. We were looking for over three years and then, uh, really three uh, years. Yeah. Wow. We, you know, it was always a goal of mine to open a restaurant. So I'm always looking. Um, we crossed over 39th street. We thought, you know, back in the eighties, the nineties, uh, 39th street was very, very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, we came across a strip mall that was not a lot of people there. And we saw opportunity. Other people said, you're crazy for opening, uh, in that area. And we did a playoff of 39th Street on how great 39th Street is and has been. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, from there on, uh, you know, it's it's history over the past five years. With the name, you're, you're talking about Q39. Q39, That's- acronym for barbecue, and it's on 39th Street. So we made it really simple. Um, just so you know, the hardest thing of opening up a restaurant is figuring out a name for your restaurant. And you got to keep it simple so people can go ahead and tell other people, and it could be a chain reaction. Rob McGee, the owner of Q39, is with us. Rob, tell us about how you kind of differentiate yourself at the beginning. You mentioned there was a, a niche you thought that wasn't being filled in Kansas City, which for the barbecue industry, that, that takes a lot of entrepreneurial judgment to find that out and to, to, to launch forward. What was the things that you thought really kind of differentiate yourself? You know, we are a full service restaurant, as I explained. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is, is, you know, me being an executive chef, um, having competition, taking those competitions that I did and refining that barbecue and applying it to the restaurant. You know, there's a lot of places that say they serve competition barbecue, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do is we cook briskets per meal period. We slice briskets to order. So if you come in and order a brisket plate, you'll see the chef slice your brisket and make burn ends right then and there. So nothing's prepared ahead of time. We like to make everything from scratch. Um, by doing that, we're offering the best barbecue in Kansas City. 
so, you know, having fresh and then whimsical food, like things like I've got Chipotle sausage corn dogs with uh, pork belly corn dogs served with maple syrup and barbecue sauce. I mean, this is just stuff you don't get at normal restaurants or, right. or definitely not any barbecue restaurants. Uh, but we like to change it up. We like to change up our coleslaws, the jalapeno cilantro slaws. Um, we like to introduce different items to the menu. Matter of fact, menus, we've got a new menu coming out, and we're making 15 new menu items uh, to switch out because we love offering different stuff to our guests. I love it. Um, we have about 30 seconds left. What is your uh, top item you have before we go to break here? Wow. You per, know, per, per customers, what do they order the most of? You know what? Our competition barbecue plates are definitely the number one sellers. Um, sandwiches, I would say the burn-in burger mm-hmm. or the triple threat. Uh, the burn-in burger, you can't beat it. It's fresh ground chuck and brisket topped with burn-ins with the jalapeno cilantro slaw and classic sauce. I'll tell you, it's delicious. Love it. Getting hungry here on the Grill Nation show with Rob McGee here. We're going to be right back after the break. Thanks for listening to the Grill Nation show on 980 AM. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show, 980 AM. Thanks for joining us on iTunes via podcast or at grillnationshow.com. Today I'm with Rob McGee, who's the owner and executive chef at Q39. Their website is q39kc.com. Rob has got a great story. Check it all out at q39kc.com. Or he has two locations, one on 39th Street and the other one is on off of Antioch and College. New location. Tell us about that one because not as familiar with that. You know what? We opened that a year and a half ago, and it's been just fun ever since. So watching that grow just as well as 39th Street. Um, once we opened up, we decided, oh, that patio is great, but let's go ahead and enclose it. So we decided to do construction right after brand new construction. So um, You felt like you had reached the echelon. To, see, people always wonder, should I open up another location or not, right, as they're growing? That's exactly You decided right. to on the uh, southern uh, Johnson County side, and it's worked out. It has. It has. We thought uh, it may put a dent in our business on 39th Street, and it hasn't. What it has done is it's freed up so more people from the north can come to 39th Street. And having one in Johnson County, um, you know, in Overland Park, just makes it easier for a lot of people who are out there to come to our restaurant. So when you started your restaurant from the uh, the Hilton when you came off of the, the corporate gig, did you have plans to grow this throughout the city? Or are you just like, let's have one restaurant that is exceptional? Then we'll grow if we we can. But did you have a grand scheme of things and a plan? Or did you just say, I'm, I'm really good at cooking barbecue? You, you know what? I put together a business plan, and we followed it to a T, and that's what's helped us be successful. But in not in my wildest dreams did I think that I was going to be as successful as we are today. We started off with 35 employees just in one restaurant, and now we have 175 that work for me just in one restaurant. We have over 350 people that are employed at Q39. So uh, the growth has been phenomenal. Our customers, Kansas City, uh, everybody who lives here, it's just been fantastic. Everyone recommends you now. When you're when your people are coming in town, they say, where should I go for this or that? Or what barbecue do you like? And Q39 is always in the, uh, in the recommendations when I hear them. Well, you know, that's a great honor because, you know, Kansas City, we know that there's great barbecue, great barbecue restaurants. 
Um, so for me to position myself to be one of the uh, top restaurants to be recommended, I got to tell you, just right now I got goosebumps because that <laughs> sounded really good. So um, the community, the barbecue community in Kansas City, are they, what's that like? All the different people and players. Wow. You know, because you I, know, we have different entrepreneurs on the show and they say this community is supportive of this, that. Sometimes they're not supportive. I'm wondering, are barbecue people, do they respect each other's craft? It's a business. I get that. But oh, a whole. businesses to businesses. Well, I think everybody is, uh, you know, you know, you're out to succeed what somebody else does and do a better job. The customers itself, let me tell you, the, the loyalty and understanding of Kansas City and barbecue, I, our guests love barbecue. And when I opened this restaurant, I didn't know the magnitude. And I can tell you right now, we know that Kansas City barbecue is the number one cuisine here. And I am just fortunate to be part of that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, menu items. You're going to have a bunch of new ones. Oh, Tell us goodness. about your philosophy again. Um, you guys try a lot of new things. We do. Not only do we offer competition barbecue plates where you can come in and have the some of the best barbecue, obviously winning number one team in the nation twice and reserve grand champion, um, you know, has uh, proven itself that, you know, we cook really good barbecue. So you need to come in and try it. The barbecue you try on the competition plates is exactly what we served when we were in competition. So everything's done fresh, sliced, served to order that goes out. Now, what's really cool is because I graduated the Culinary Institute and I am a chef, I like to do things that are fun and whimsical. So we'll do things such as, you know, pork belly and sausage corn dogs. We'll do bacon-wrapped shrimp with a jalapeno cilantro slaw tossed with lime vinaigrette. I mean, we're going to do things in other items such as, uh, you know, a great salad. You know, instead of a wedge, we did a baby iceberg with smoked pork belly lardons topped with our onion straws and smoked blue cheese um, with buttermilk dressing, everything made from scratch. Um, you know, and then we go and have fun with our sandwiches. So on our new menu, we've got one that's coming out. It should be next Monday on 39th Street. We're going to start with that one. And then in two weeks, we're going to put the new menu in Overland Park. That way I'm not stretched too thin and we make sure we do it right. But we've got a, a smoked pork belly sandwich, Dijon aioli served with Granny Smith apples and a bacon onion marmalade on toasted bread. I got to tell you, just talking about it, I feel like going to the restaurant and cooking one up right now. So do you just eat barbecue all the time? You know Rob, what? You, you got you got to stay, you know, somewhat lean, right? You can't just be eating barbecue nonstop, although it's so good. You know, you know people ask me that all the time. Do you get ty- tired of barbecue? And my answer is no. I mean, I eat barbecue all the time. I'll go in there and I've got to check my chicken and I've got to make sure that my brisket is cooked just right uh, before we serve it. And I'll tell you, it's delicious. So good food's good food. So why stop eating it? And you can change it around when you're the executive chef and mix and match however you want, right? You mentioned your employees. That's that's quite quite big growth there for a company in Kansas City for a restaurant. Two locations have so many employees. You know, it certainly is. But the important thing is when you start a restaurant and all of a sudden you have success, uh, the one thing you want to do to be successful is you've got to grow with that success. So adding employees constantly as the revenue growth comes in. The downfall for other restaurants that don't do that, they hit a peak and then all of a sudden they go back down and they hit you know, a certain level that they'll only do a certain amount of business because they never reacted to the business that came in as long as you're serving great food, great service, and a clean environment. And you guys have uh, you've grown a lot. You've had a lot of ups. Uh, over the uh, last few years, obviously, of your business. You know, what What advice do you have for restaurateurs? I, I often find that we've had other restaurateurs on the show, and they say, 
you know, there's not enough people in Kansas City for all these new restaurants that are opening. And I say, hey, if you got a good product and good marketing and good uh, feel, you'll get people to come in, right? It's not always about just the, the population. If if you are a good restaurant and you have great food and people love your atmosphere, they're going to come back and they're going to tell their friends. You know, I if somebody's going to open up a restaurant, my number one advice is serve great food, great service, and a clean environment. I mean, that is the successful one of the successful tools we've used at Q39. Mm-hmm. My other advice is if if you've never been in the business and you want to open up a restaurant, don't do it. Okay, <laughs> stay out. There's a reason why eight out of ten restaurants fail. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get the people that have the experience, then go ahead and open up the restaurant. I've heard that about bars too, right? They say that about bars. Don't do it. I don't just know. Try your money in the street and run away. And just don't go to those bars anymore. That's what happens when you get old and you're married and have too many kids. So, um, so that's good advice, though. Um, okay, so you've grown into two locations. You're still doing the competitions, right? You know, I stopped doing the competitions. Oh, you stopped doing Okay. And, you know, that's a good story. So uh, after my first year of having Q39 open, I went to go do a barbecue contest, the American Royal. Yeah. And when I was there, I had a great time. Um, but my heart wasn't into it. My heart was at my restaurant. So, mm-hmm. you know, barbecue competitions was a stepping stone for me to get to a restaurant, to the next level of what my life's all about. And while I just went to Osage City and did some judging out there and some sponsorship out there for with Q39 and Osage City Barbecue Contest Smoke in the Spring, um, that was a lot of fun. But I only go in for an hour and a half, two hours, uh, three hours max, and then off I go. To do a contest, I only worry about my restaurant that I should be there. If it's a Friday and a Saturday or two busiest days, take a guess where I want to be. So I love uh, owning a restaurant. Everybody tells me, oh, it's so hard work. You know, it's so grueling. And I got to tell you, you know, for me, going to work is like being on vacation every day. I mean, the rewards that I get, I feel like I'm on vacation. So when I'm on yeah. vacation, everything feels the same. So it's just been a, uh, a tremendous uh, well, t- thing. Well, definitely, you definitely tell you're a positive person. Well, you, you, I, you definitely come into this. You came into the studio. You're excited to go. Very positive. That obviously is reflective in your success. Well, you know what? I've got great uh, general managers, restaurant managers, employee, all the way down to dishwashers, admins. Mm-hmm. I've been very fortunate. Um, I feel I've got some of the best employees in Kansas City for sure. Um, they have made my job a lot easier to be able to do the things that I can do. Um, so I always give hats off to my employees. What's next uh, for Rob McGee and the uh, Q39 business? You know, Futures, Futures uh, comes fast at you. You know, you're always going to have new competition, seeing new barbecue each and every day. But you guys have kind of charted your path, I think, as one of the top barbecue restaurants in Kansas City. How do you continue on and what do you do next? Well, you know what? Process improvement is really important. Um, it's part of another thing that I do that has made us very successful. Uh, things that we built a patio and now we put a roof on it and we put retractable sidewalls and screens and heaters out there. Um, we bought another building, Sweet Tomatoes, across the street on College. Um, so my employees can park over there and free up over 32 spots for more more customers to park there. Uh, so we can take care of them and come into uh, parking's important in your business. Oh my gosh, parking is probably the number one issue in every restaurant. So I want to make sure I get rid of that. So as I look into my endeavors or going forward or into the next restaurant, we'll definitely make sure that's solved. How many? Uh, how? What percentage do you think of your your diners are from out of Kansas City? Wow, well, you know a lot. 
Um, you know, while I built that into my business plan, I didn't know that it was going to be so significant. Um, my property on 39th street, we get a lot of people, whether it's March madness, whether it's the volleyball competitions, um, whether it's a chiefs game, a Royals game and all these fans come in and what do they want to do while they're here? Well, watch the game and eat barbecue. Mm -hmm. And what about everybody else when they come in from out of town, they're going to do business and eat barbecue. That's what Kansas city is known for. So we get a tremendous amount of business from our business travelers. Uh, A lot of the athletes in town love your barbecue too. Yeah, I got Chiefs players, right? Yes, yes, yes. I got to tell you, I love the Royals, love the Chiefs, love Sporting KC. They all come into my restaurant, and I cannot thank them enough for their support with Q39. Well, I'm excited to try it out again. I'm going to check out the new menu items. Uh, next time I'm in, might have to get a burn-in burger just to uh, be traditional. But uh, I'm looking forward to coming back in. Rob McGee, he's the owner and executive chef of Q39. Their website is q39kc.com. Great website. It has all their menus, their story. Uh, different options with catering and uh, more information at q39kc.com. Rob, thank you for coming on the show today. I um, couldn't be happier for your success and you know keep making Kansas City, uh, keep making us Kansas Cityans proud on the national scale with all your great barbecue you put out. Oh well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. It's been a great, great time having Rob on. We we'll right back after the break with more Grill Nation. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Hello and welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. Again, I apologize for my uh, voice today, but I'm here because we have great guests in studio with us today. Our next guest is David Ficklin. He is the executive director of World Cup 20. 26 coming to Kansas City. He is a veteran of Sporting KC and of soccer and an architect by trade. David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jason. So tell us about your background. You're not a Kansas City originally. You came here, what, 10 years ago? I came here in 2001 from the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. And um, I came here to help start an event division at a sports architecture firm, then known as HOK, now Populous. And that worked out for you? <laughs> Got into soccer as well. Well, I had been in soccer. I had uh, My life changed when the 1994 World Cup came to my hometown of Palo Alto, California. Mm-hmm. And I was an architect at the time. And I, after the World Cup was over, I said, wow, this has got to be what I do for the rest of my life. How do I do that? And right. I was persistent and got a job with one of the first teams in Major League Soccer, then called the San Jose Clash. And... I've been living my dream, really, since then. So you came to Kansas City. Tell us about that experience coming from the Bay Area. Well, my wife was pregnant with our first child, so it was a new family, house, job, new culture, new climate, because we arrived uh, basically the July 1st, so it was an introduction to humidity (laughs) and, um, and the four seasons, and right away we realized that this this thing called Midwestern hospitality is real. Right. In the Bay Area, you know, you'd be walking around the block and you might see your next door neighbor and you'd nod at them, maybe, and keep going on your way. And we quickly realized that as we were walking around the block and and saw neighbors, we stopped and an hour later we were still there talking and realized that's really what a neighborhood is all about. Mm -hmm. So you guys, um, you also work for sporting, right? When they were the Wizards. 
and when they were sporting. I joined what was then the Kansas City Wizards in 2007, right after Ongo bought the team from Lamar Hunt. Mm-hmm. And we spent one year in Arrowhead Stadium, and then, if people remember, three years at Community America Ballpark, and then finally opened up our stadium. Mm-hmm. So, A um, lot of changes. Wow. If you think about where we were, just desperately trying to get a crowd into Arrowhead that wasn't embarrassing. Right. Right? right. And begin to build a brand. And uh, we thought moving to, to from Arrowhead to Community America would actually be a good thing because it got people closer to the action. It was, you know, just more intimate and a better environment. And, you know, it probably was more challenging than that because we left what was a major league venue in Arrowhead and moved to, you know, disrespect intended, but to a minor league venue. And, Baseball stadium. Yeah. Well, with the sight line so bad that there was not a good seat in the house. Mm-hmm. But what it allowed us to do was really use it as a laboratory to begin to test some ticketing ideas and, and some programs that proved to be incredibly successful when we moved it over to the stadium. So you were there for, what, 10, 11 years? 11 years. Wow. And we saw just the most incredible transformation from Kansas City as a city. Well, here's a good example. When we were building the stadium and mm-hmm. I would tell people what I was doing, they'd say, why don't you guys just play in the Sprint Center? It doesn't have a tenant. And that was a little disheartening, but it was actually a good indication of how little penetration soccer had in, in Kansas City. And now yeah. we, we look at you know, the ninth year of Children's Mercy Park open, since it's opened and just the amazing transformation where this is a, this is a fantastic soccer city. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's, it's one of the best soccer cities in the country. So you did that, and then you got involved with World Cup 2026. Kansas City it is one of the goes, bidders. It actually goes farther back than that. When Kansas City bid for the 2022 World Cup mm-hmm. nine years ago, we thought oh, we, we did had, bid for that. We bid for it, okay. and we were as well part of the U.S. bid to FIFA, and we thought um, on December 1st we thought we had it, and then December 2nd was the decision that awarded the World Cup to Qatar and um, shattered lots of people's dreams, but mm-hmm. we kept – we kept going, and we focused on building soccer and, and innovating here, and that put us in a great position for when the United States, Canada, and Mexico decided to bid for the World Cup again. So we have it now. 2026, it will be in the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. It will be. And this Back then, be- it was we were competing to get it with Qatar. Right. Yeah. So we, as North America, have it. Now, now the really fun stuff begins because – Kansas City is one of 17 U.S. cities competing for 10 final host city slots. Tell us those cities, and I can help you with that if you miss on them, but I think you'll nail them. Well, let's see. 17 of them. There's 17. Boston, New York. You counting for me? Yes, I am. Boston, New York, D.C., Philly. Baltimore. Baltimore. Miami, Orlando, Atlanta, Houston, Dallas. Nashville, Nashville, Cincinnati, obviously KC, Denver, and then on the West Coast, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Seattle. Seattle, okay. So 17 cities. Every one of them capable of hosting the World Cup. Okay. And people will say, where's Chicago at? They're not bidding. They're not in it, right? It's really interesting because there's a lot of 
major American cities that chose for one reason or another not to bid who have hosted World, uh, sorry, World Cups in Chicago's case, bid for Olympic Games or hosted the Super Bowl. You can think of Minneapolis, Detroit, Phoenix. And, you know, this is, this is a really good little anecdote, and it explains one of the great um, advantages we have here. So Chicago's reason for not being part of the bid had to do with infighting within their city government. Right. And when you think about our challenge, we had two city governments, KCK and KCMO, in basically two different states. And it was easy for us because people here believe in cooperation. And it was a great example of, a, of, of the two cities and the two states coming together, unified in a, in a common goal, where Chicago and some of these other cities couldn't get past the infighting. So it started with over 70 cities. It did. And now it's down to 17 uh, United States cities. And right. we'll, we'll have some in Canada and some in Mexico as well. 2020, they select the finals, finals, right? We believe so. Late 2020. So in the near term, you guys have been working your tails off. KC2026.com is the website to really get the Midwest galvanized behind Kansas City. Exactly. When we were bidding in the past year, it was really, we were, we were saying that our bid exemplified the national bids goals with unity. And because, like I said, we were unifying two cities and two states. And um, as soon as North America was awarded the World Cup back in June, we put up a, just a little petition for people to just share their excitement and, and show their support. And then a couple months ago, we ran uh, basically a heat map of where all those signatures were coming from. And to our surprise, they came from all over the country. Mm-hmm. But uh, all the major cities within basically a one-day drive showed very large concentrations of people signing the petition. And it made us think, you know what, this isn't just a, a Kansas City bid. This, is real, this has the potential to be a Midwest bid. And, and we went out to the state soccer association presidents with basically the 10 surrounding states and, and presented our bid to them and showed, showed the heat map. And it was really surprising to me because they said, yeah, of course, that makes sense. We come to Kansas City all the time to play in tournaments in your great facilities. So mm-hmm. um, we would love to have the, the World Cup in Kansas City. It will be an easy drive for us. And, and we do it all the time. And we love coming to Kansas City. And, and quickly that, you know, that was one of those those lightning moments where we said this this really can be the Midwest bid, and now we've got all of these state soccer associations on board. So we've we've changed the the battle cry from you know bring the World Cup to Kansas City to bring the World Cup to the Midwest, and right. it's basically 50 million Americans and over 400,000 youth soccer players in all these states feel like they have a they have a chance to get the World Cup in their backyard. And we think that's a, a fantastic advantage for us. David Ficklin is with us. He's the executive director of the Kansas City's 2026 FIFA World Cup bid. So tell us about the economic impact that having the World Cup in Kansas City would do for our region. Well, this is the fun part to talk about because this is the largest event Kansas City could ever host. And the worldwide visibility is really beyond our dreams. I mean, if, if we talk about... Each city, each host city hosting in the neighborhood of six games, and the average World Cup game gets about 190 million worldwide viewers. So that's over a billion worldwide viewers, six times 190. 
and um, the Super Bowl only has like 180, right? Million? Right, worldwide. Yeah, we're talking a billion here. A billion over the six games, and so if you think about those beauty shots that Joe was see leading in and leading in and coming into in and out of halftime, and Kansas City has some really breathtaking images that mm-hmm. we're going to show the world with this opportunity. What a what a spectacular place we are, and when you think about those viewers nationally and internationally, what a great way to introduce the city to people who might want to relocate here to work. People might want to relocate businesses, mm-hmm. keeping our or getting our kids to come back after college and come and staying in this city. There's, there's fantastic benefits that uh, as we say, soccer is just the tool to use to achieve those benefits. And then uh, Boston Consulting Group actually did a study for the bid, and it showed up to $620 million of economic activity around each host city. Wow. So that's, that's compelling. Yeah, I want to get into that after the break, David. Uh, I want to talk about visitors, too, from all these different countries. You have some data on that from the last World Cup in Russia. We're talking World Cup 2026 here, coming to Kansas City. You're listening to the Grill Nation Show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. 980 AM, KMBZ, and iTunes via podcast. Welcome back to the Grill Nation Show. I'm your host, Jason Grill, here with David Ficklin, who's the executive director of the Kansas City 2026 FIFA World Cup bid. David, we were talking about impressions. Um, tell me about visitors. A lot of different countries come to visit the World Cup. And we have data from 2018 that shows us out from Russia. We do. When you look at the top 10 international ticket purchasers, so take Russia out of it, number one was the United States. So even though our national team didn't play in the World Cup, still over 90,000 tickets were sold to people with U.S. passports. Amazing. Now, they, they probably aren't all rooting for the U.S., or maybe they're U.S. fans and have a secondary, uh, a, a second favorite country, or maybe that was their country of origin. Mm-hmm. But then you get into a really amazing list. And, and remember that Russia World Cup, obviously, was in Europe. Number two was Brazil at over 72,000 um, visitors. Then Colombia, Germany, Mexico, Argentina, Peru, China, Australia, and then England. So that's the top 10 from 72,000 to 32,000. Again, that was a European World Cup, and only two of those nine are European countries. Mm-hmm. People love to travel for the World Cup. Right. People travel wherever their team is playing. So we're talking about an international group of people coming to Kansas City for the first time. A host city can expect tens of thousands of international visitors. And the cool thing is there's six games, and um, it's likely that no two, no two of the games would have the same competitors. So there could conceivably be 12 different nations, each with thousands of their visitors coming into Kansas City, whether they are um, – that is their nationality and they live in the United States or they actually are traveling from those countries. From those countries. Talk to me about um, facilities. We don't need to build anything, right? We don't need we to build it. anything. We as a 
metropolitan area have done some amazing work over the past 10 years. That's really put us in position to be a leading candidate to host. And it really started when Jackson County taxpayers voted to fund the uh, the renovations at Arrowhead Stadium. Right. It's going to be a long time ago now. Yeah, it is. And 2009, yet, it reopened. Without that, we wouldn't be here having this conversation. Mm-hmm. So that was the first step. Make Arrowhead bring uh, – Repolish it and make it uh, bring it back to its sure. glory. Yeah, and make it is a world class stadium mm-hmm. with plenty of hospitality. And you know, we love the fact we love to, to uh, um, tell people that it it is the loudest stadium in the world. Yes, it is, and um, it doesn't even have a roof on it. So right. maybe we, make sure that's in our bid. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about it all the time. Good, because good. usually you need a roof canopy to hold that sound in. But we are so loud and passionate as a fan base in the Midwest that we don't need it, and we still set records. So you have that, you have Sporting we, so Park. So it starts there, yes, uh, Children's Mercy Park. Children's Mercy, sorry. Swope Soccer Village, the Chiefs Training Complex, University of Kansas Health Systems, and Julian Field at Park University would be our training sites. Then you have the U.S. The US um, Pinnacle, is that what it's called? And then we have Pinnacle, the National Development Center, which we have um, put forth as a base camp. And base camps are really cool because that's where – a nation comes and stays for the duration of their participation in the tournament. And they may come a couple weeks early. And their fans love to be near the team. And so we are, we are certain to be a base camp location because Pinnacle is the finest training facility in, in North America. So we've got the facilities. The best in the world. And so people, yeah. we will get, and, you know, hopefully – I'd like to see Brazil or Argentina. Forgive me for saying that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I would like to see an international team, and maybe maybe we can have two teams based in in Kansas City and uh, the United States, and an international team, and have their tens of thousands of visitors stay here. Be pretty for cool weeks instead of just a couple of nights. So uh, we have the facilities. We have the. Uh, we've talked about the benefits of hosting. We've talked about the fact that we're in one of seventeen cities vying for ten spots in the United States. What else are we doing? Are we doing anything with health, education, innovation around our bid? Well, we like to say that here in Kansas City, we have been innovating soccer for the past decade, mm-hmm. and we aren't stopping. And we've taken a theme from the international bidding world, from the Olympic world, and it's called win by bidding. And it's, it's really seeking to harness the excitement around your bid to create a legacy that uh, stands as a permanent sign of your bid and is there creating positive change in your city whether you get the the whether you win the bid or not and for us you know we've seen tremendous growth of youth soccer participation in the metropolitan area but not so much in the disadvantaged communities in the urban in the urban cores on both sides of the state line and so we're going to change that we are go- what we're going to do is leverage the the excitement around this bid to bring the game to tens of thousands of kids who haven't touched a soccer ball, haven't, haven't played the game yet. Mm-hmm. And we hope that um, getting the kids out just a couple times a week and, and um, inspiring them through, through professional players and coaching and um, giving them free opportunities to play that we can double the youth soccer participation in the metropolitan area by 2026. And by doing that, it's not as important that we're going to double the popul- 
population, it's or the participation numbers, what we're trying to do is teach these kids healthy habits. You know, there's a terrible epidemic of childhood obesity. And if you look at national studies, we're seeing that kids are playing less sports across all sports. Soccer alone has lost over a million registered participants in the last five years. A quarter of the Hispanic youth population is considered obese. So if we can get the kids out playing a little bit, maybe we can actually reverse some of those trends. And that's even more important in some ways than the economic benefits. If we can help our kids use right. the World Cup as, a, as a, an inspiration to do that, mm-hmm. what a great gift we've left for our city. Uh, the website is kc2026.com. David Ficklin, Executive Director of Kansas City's 2000, uh, two, 2026 World Cup bid. Um, what do people do to get involved? I know you have a petition on the website you can sign. You mentioned the heat map. Um, how else can people help out? Yes. Because this is going to be very competitive to uh, to land this. I think we're going to do it because you're in charge, but you have a good team around you as well. We have a fantastic team that really includes Johnson County, Jackson County, Wyandotte County, KCK, KC Mo, uh, the business community with the chamber and Visit KC and the Chiefs mm-hmm. and Sporting. Uh, United Soccer Coaches, and then Heartland Soccer. Mm-hmm. So just a a great group of civic and sports leaders. And what we're trying to – yes, Jason, it's going to be incredibly competitive, but we are in a fantastic place. We've invest, Like I said, we've invested in this opportunity for the past decade, and now is our opportunity to leverage that and, and bring this huge event. But we need people's help. Signing the petition actually matters because we want – hundreds of thousands of names on that petition. So when U.S. soccer and FIFA come to visit our city, we show them this massive support for what is, you know, the 30th largest <coughs> MSA in the nation. They're going to see the biggest support. Mm-hmm. But there's other things, too. Um, you can donate on the website. You can volunteer. And then there's there's two really big soccer matches coming up this summer that people should get out and see. And even if you don't like soccer, consider this sort of a, a way to say, I love KC, and I want to bring the biggest event ever to KC by coming to the Gold Cup on, on June 26th, see our national team play. But Also the uh, Bayern Munich, AC Milan. Yes. They're yes. playing as well at Arrowhead this summer. David Ficklin, KC2026.com is the website. Check it out. David, congrats on everything you're doing. I'd love to support it. I will be tweeting out uh, information about this from my handle, but thanks for coming on the show today to tell us more about it. Thank you so much for having the chance to talk about it. It's been a lot Super of fun. Exciting. We'll have you back on when we get the bid. <laughs> You're the listener to the Grill Nation show. We'll see you again next week. Take care. Have a good one.